At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, the CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Healthcare Americana is a podcast for the 99% of people who get healthcare in America. We're not clinicians or policymakers. We're patients and caregivers, executives and advocates. We're fed up with the status quo and have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations with innovative people across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. Today, we're talking to Mark Burt, who is joining us from Tulsa. Mark is the Director of Finance at Gable Gottwalls. And I had the distinct pleasure, really, of meeting Mark back at the Free Market Medical Association Conference in Dallas. For those of you who attended, Mark was one of the special guests on stage during our live taping of Healthcare Americana, talking about all the innovative things that he's done at his company and his firm, law firm, excuse me, to really lower their benefits costs and to give their employees and their attorneys and all the staff there a choice in healthcare and so as Mark is really an innovator in this space, thought, let's get him on here. Let's get the full story going. So Mark, welcome to Healthcare Americana. It's a pleasure to be talking to you again. Thanks, Chris. Uh, glad, glad to be on and uh, get to tell some stories. I really enjoyed our time in Frisco and uh, I guess Plano, but Plano. part of yep. Dallas. So, uh, but yeah, it was a really good time. Good good to meet you. And uh, so, yeah, let's, let's dive in. Now you had a great... I guess it's more of an analogy of why you did this and why your company had a foresight to really go in and start taking a look at the benefits. And, you know, it's a timely discussion because it's kind of benefit renewal season right now. Give us some insight into really what led to your decision and ultimately what you guys are doing that is so innovative and, you know, why a lot of companies are looking at you nodding their heads saying, wow, that'd be really cool if we could do that. Well, so I guess I start with a story that I told when we began to roll out this concept. And I was trying to communicate the scope of the problem really to our lawyers and our legal support staff. So the story that I told goes something like this. So Chris, let's say that uh, you were in the market for a new TV, you know, maybe a like 60 inch LED, you want to put it in that game room. It looks like you got a lot of gray space right behind you and a TV would look perfect right there, right behind you. So you find out that I'm sort of a techie. I've got some connections in the industry. So you call me and say, hey, Mark, I would love for you to hook me up with a TV. And I said, man, there's nothing I'd love better than this. Tell me what you want. I get all the specs and I say, all right. And here's the deal, Chris. Because of my connections, I'll be able to get you a 60% discount off that TV. And you're like, dude, that's awesome. Sign me up. So I go out get the TV, we bring it, we install it, we set it up, and you agree, it's fantastic TV. Checked all the boxes, exactly what you wanted, great result. So then I just hand you the bill and I'm getting ready to walk out. You open the bill up and you say, whoa, 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 wait, Mark, what, what, what's the deal? This bill is $4,000. I said, yeah, but I got you a 60% discount because the guy that I get it from, uh, he sells these TVs for $10,000. 
And you look at that and say, I could have gone and gotten that same TV for $600 if I'd have just gone down to Best Buy. Why did I, why did, why are you billing me this much? And of course we hear that story and we think, well, that's ludicrous. Nobody would ever do that, except that's what we do every time that we go and purchase healthcare services. And I say every time there are getting to be some, some avenues where we can be a little bit smarter consumers, but typically that's what's happened. And the problem then is kind of twofold. First of all, when you go to Best Buy and you pay for a TV, you're able to compare a lot of different TVs and the price for that TV is clearly marked right in front of you. And you can research that. You can go from provider to provider to provider. You can look at it. The second of all, you're paying Best Buy directly for that TV. It's a direct communication, a direct exchange with a fair market. In healthcare, it rarely works that way. Most of the time, the way we purchase healthcare is we have a buddy. Maybe it's a PPO network. Maybe it's an HMO network. Maybe it's just a fully insured product. And they come to us and they say, listen, you're going to get charged a lot of money by these healthcare systems, hospitals, doctors, whatever, but we can get you a discount off of that. And so we say, well, that sounds better than paying full price. So yeah, sign me up. So we subscribe to a PPO network or whatever it happens to be. And then when we go to secure medical services, we don't pay the provider. Instead, we pay a middleman who then is representing that he's getting us a deal. But Chris, when you go to have a procedure done at a major hospital system, do you have any idea what that's going to cost? Usually I, I, not. Think, I think the answer Very is rarely. no. I mean, yeah. most of the time you don't. And I would say, even if you ask the physician himself what it's going to cost, they probably don't know mm -hmm. because there are so many factors that, that go into play to, to bring that into a final uh, adjudication of a billed charge that then our buddy hooks us up with this discount and we end up paying $4,000 for a TV that we probably, if we'd have been smarter consumers, might could have gotten for far less than that. So once I kind of was able to relay that to our folks, then they were able to say, okay, now I, I get there's a problem and I get that it's broken. And you would think that I was exaggerating when I'm saying a $4,000 TV versus a $600 TV, but I'm using those dollar amounts very strategically because what we found is that we are able oftentimes to secure the same services for six to $800 that we might have paid for $4,000 under a previous arrangement. It can be that stark. And that's really the underlying reason why the healthcare system, at least the economics of it, are so broken today. So it didn't take a lot of, uh, when I tell that story, you could see the heads nodding. You'd see everybody say, okay, now, now I understand the problem. So then the answer, the, the question becomes, well, then what do you do about this? What weapons do we have at our disposal to stop paying $4,000 for TVs? Sure. You've identified the problem, right? And I think everybody listening and anybody familiar with it's going to say, well, yeah, that happens all the time. And we say, great. What, what is 40, 50, 60% discount off of an astronomical number, right? And it's like, well, I don't want a discount. I want a locked in final price. And then I could choose. I don't want this price to be, hey, it might be this, it might be this, but we're going to get you a discount on whatever it is. Yeah. Why does that benefit me? So then, you know, somebody thinking proactive, and, and I know you're going here, is going to say, well, what the hell do I do? How do I, how do I fix this? Because, you know, you even want to dive deeper. 
the brokers and benefits advisors out there, the vast majority of them who haven't you know, really seen the light get paid by the more insurance claims that your company has. So this notion that, you know, you use the term buddy with a lot of air quotes every time you said that, they're not really your friend. You're not even their client. They're not making money off of you. They're making money from the insurance company. Yeah. It's a very dire picture that we just painted there, Mark. And I, I love the way that you said that. It reminds me of uh, what one of our lead administrators kind of clued me into early on, it, long before we were able to really have an alternative to this. But we used to think that the PPO network was sort of our nirvana. That was what was saving us from paying these, you know, like you said, astronomical rates. And he conditioned me to say, you know, here's what I want you to do. Anytime that you hear the word PPO network, I want you to envision the Imperial March theme from Star Wars when Darth Vader starts walking down the dum, 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 da, dum, dum, da, dum. Like you said, it's not your friend, but it was better than paying full price. So for a time, it was really about the only weapon that we had as employers to be able to, you know, kind of combat this. But it came with a lot of other issues too. You know, are you in network? Are you out of network? Do you have any idea when you go to one provider versus another provider? I used to have a mistaken impression that the PPO network basically negotiated the same with every provider. So it didn't matter which provider we went to, we were going to end up paying the same, you know, net rate. That's far from the truth. And once we started looking at it, we could see that typically it was the larger the provider, the less discount. And so when people were going to a major hospital system and they said, well, this looks like we're covered by our PPO network, then I can go here and get the same care that I could go and get somewhere else and I'm going to pay the same for it. Well, that was not the case. And because of HIPAA, because of, you know, really, we don't want to dive into the weeds of all of the medical conditions of all of our employees. We just sort of had to trust that we were getting a good deal. And we would get reports in the aggregate that would show us what our billed charges were and what our final paid claims were. But we really had no basis to know, was that a good deal or not, except for the fact that they were just saying, yeah, this is a good deal, or this is the only deal you can get. And so, you know, you either take it or leave it. And so we happily took it. That sounds like a hostage situation to me, Mark. Well, congratulations. Welcome to our healthcare system. <laughs> Sorry, didn't mean to cut in there, but it's like, you know, I started laughing when he said, well, yeah, we actually, we, we happily took it because we thought we we're getting the best deal. Absolutely. I mean, what is the clinical definition of Stockholm syndrome at this point in time? Yeah. So then you, you kind of were leading into, well, so we, we define the problem. But then what are our options for being able to, uh, to take care of? Now, I would love to say that I was smart enough that I had an epiphany and was able to figure out, oh, yes, here's how we fix this. Take a look at me. I'm not that bright. I didn't come up with this. So what we've done is partnered with some very progressive brokers, administrators, that have been sort of at the forefront of trying to analyze what are the better ways that we can do this. And really, how can we bring purchasing of healthcare services more in line with the way that we buy TVs or cookware or anything else that we go shopping for? And it's been a challenge, Chris. It really has been. But we've started to make some really good inroads in, in various areas. And, and I happen to be to live in a state where in Oklahoma, they were pioneers in creating some price transparency solutions. Uh, a few medical providers 
basically said, you know what, we believe that the healthcare system is broken enough. We're going to sort of give patients an option to be able to not go through a PPO network or an HMO or whatever it happens to be. We're instead going to do something really novel. Now, I don't know if it would work economically, but we're going to do this experiment. We're going to actually put a price tag on our services and post it on our website and see if people are willing to pay a certain amount for an agreed upon service. Mm-hmm. Novel concept. I mean, oh. I don't know that it's ever been tried before in the history of economics, but lo and behold, it worked. It was radically successful. And it was a fraction, a lot of times 20 to 30% of the amount that we would have paid under our buddy's PPO discount that they were giving us. In fact, it became such an important concept that we then incorporated it as part of our plan that if our participants went to any of those particular service areas and service providers and took advantage of these flat rate prices, that we would cover 100%. No deductibles, no copay, no coinsurance. We would even pay your travel costs to go and secure this. And if you need meals, lodging, anything like that, you need a caregiver to go with you, we'll pay for that too. Because we realize that it is a smarter economic decision. You're going to get a great result because if someone is willing to say, I will do this for this dollar amount, they better not have complications, right? They better be willing to and and know that they could do it. It's not unlike our legal services. If we say that we are willing to do a certain transaction for a flat dollar amount, we better have our ducks in a row. We better not have to go back and refile or unfile or correct mistakes because then we're going to lose big time. Well, these best of breed providers, which typically started out as employer owned or physician owned facilities, started putting together these these bundles, these flat rate costs. Typically, it was for surgical procedures, but it ended up expanding where a lot of radiology, x-rays, MRIs, and MRIs are, are, are a huge source of this, where we were able to then find providers that said, no, we're willing to do it at this because we believe this is a fair price. If you pay us this price, we're not going to run through this, this through insurance. You pay us cash. We will offer you this service. Again, not unprecedented in United States economic history. It's the way we do everything else. So that was sort of a starting point. And we implemented that several years ago. And so we started this process of really trying to educate and redirect our employees to take advantage of this. Whenever you go and get a diagnostic procedure done uh, and they say, you need to have an MRI, then stop, call a timeout. Don't go down to that hospital systems MRI machine because if so, we're going to pay $4,000 for a TV that we should pay $600 for. Mm-hmm. So instead, we have other providers that will do that MRI for $600 happily. We will pay cash and we're not going to charge you anything to have that done. Well, I've had several MRIs. I was a former athlete. So I have all different parts of my lower body that have been subject to all manner of stress. And so I'm familiar with sitting in an MRI machine. But I can tell you that while I've been with Gable Gottwalls, I've never paid for an MRI because I've always gone to a provider that's been able to do that at this agreed upon cash price. And my employer has then paid for that. Whereas if I had gone to major hospital network, I would have copay, co-insurance, and the plan would pay a lot more. Mm -hmm. So that allowed us to carve out a subset of procedures that we were able to do that. But there are a whole lot of other procedures and medical services 
that aren't subject to a neat, nice bundle like a you know knee scope or something. Those are easy. You you can you can as a start and an endpoint, and providers are able to say, yeah, we've done a million knee scopes. We know exactly what they cost, so we're going to bundle that together. We can do it for this price. Mm-hmm. But what if you have something like a heart condition or something that requires a lot of additional visits and things that aren't? It's not a neat bundle. That was still the black hole that we had where we were paying, you know, our PPO model and paying really extravagant amounts for those services. And so we were asking ourselves, are there other ways that we can combat that problem? You mentioned something that, that really stuck in my mind because a lot of a lot of opponents of, you know, you're talking how you guys incorporated reference-based pricing. And as Freedom Health Works, we're in the direct care world with primary care specialists and, and working with surgeons there, you know, getting those transparent prices out there, quality. And quality is like, it's it's my biggest trigger word, Mark. You know, when I when I hear someone say, well, it's quality care, I'm like, okay, like you said, full stop, let's define that. Let's define that vaunted Q word. And there's a lot of people out there who say, look, we measure quality by whatever Medicare tells us it is. However, we can squeeze every last penny out of the federal government or squeeze every little last penny out of the insurance company. And I'm saying, well, that's a screwed up definition of it. Well, they say, well, that's the only way that we can make sure that we aren't having readmittances and then nobody is uh, you know, getting sponges left inside of them after surgery or things are going well. And I say, you know what, when, when I deal with our clients, our definition of quality is if that person, if that patient comes back and pays them next month because they value the care. What you just brought up is say, you know, it's a great little take on that same concept that if I quote you a thousand dollars for a procedure or a thousand bucks for this type of a care, and I screw that up and you have to come back, it's coming out of my pocket. I'm not going to be like, oh, hey, look, I quoted you this price, but ooh, yeah, it didn't go too well. We're going to have to go back and, and, and keep doing that. It's not a slush fund that you're going by. And right. I love the example that you use from, you know, from, from your law firm there. And I think that's just a concept that gets missed with people when they look at this saying, well, oh, my gosh, if their insurance company isn't there to, to really you know, beat up on these hospitals and make sure that they're providing me the best prices and the best you know, quality of care, well, who's going to do it for me? Uh, and I'm going to just tell you, it's not in the insurance company's best interest to beat up on the hospitals. Uh, it's not the, the, the PPO system. They get their revenue from basically negotiating a workable transaction with the healthcare, healthcare system. That could be a, a decent deal or it could be a really bad deal for the consumer, but the consumer never has any say in it. It's all done at a, at a very high level and usually between what I would consider almost like a good old boys network where they're like, OK, we're going to we're going to make sure that you get yours. But then once that arrangement's put in place in terms of quality, the PPO network couldn't care less, really. I mean, at the end of the day, they've just brokered the financial transaction. And so if it's not a bundled kind of flat cash price, then if you have to keep going back for follow-up or correctives or whatever, PPO network really doesn't care because you're just going to keep getting paid for the, or getting billed for those additional services. And they're going to keep giving you the discount off of those services and you're off and running. And so, yes, it, it seems counterintuitive that 
you know, sometimes if you go to Best Buy and you buy the lowest cost item or Walmart or something along those lines, maybe you might be sacrificing quality for cost. That That's a trade-off that we make. You know, sometimes I, I don't want to buy something that's going to last me 20 years if I know I'm only going to use it twice and then throw it away. I, I'll pay a lower amount for it. But in healthcare, like you said, when if someone's willing to put their name behind something and say, I, we will do this for this dollar amount and we're going to guarantee it. Well, now all of a sudden that that there's an implicit quality that has to be baked in there in order for that to work. So, yeah, I, I love the Great fact point. that you highlighted that. Uh, and that's one of the key things, too, when people ask about, well, you know, how do I know if I go to this provider? I'm like, well, Think about it this way, you know, if, if I gave you a, a, a guarantee for whatever you pay for, and I said, if it costs more than this, it's coming out of my pocket, that's pretty pretty good evidence that I know what I'm doing and that I can stand behind it. There's a lot of confidence that is inspired by that, right? The supply and demand and economics does work, like you mentioned, and you put a guarantee like that, okay, all right, let's do it. It's still um, an experiment, but, you know, 200 something years later, it's, it's worked pretty well. <laughs> Yes. Yes, it has. Even longer than that, you know, depending on what people say. But I, so I want to I want to get you know, we, I think we've highlighted the problem. Right. Yeah. We're always very good at, at. Well, I'll just say negativity and complaining brings human beings together much more than optimism and problem solving does. It's just our nature. We can bond more easily <laughs> with the negatives than we can the positive. So what was the reaction? We we're going through this multi-year process. And I don't want anybody to get any illusions out there that. You know, Mark and his team just snapped their fingers and all of a sudden, you know, the light yeah. shined down from the heavens. Like you mentioned, you, you did the reference-based pricing. And then now what if somebody has a prolonged hospital stay where there's really not a, well, they really can't just say, okay, it's the price of a knee surgery when you're trying to treat heart conditions. Like you said there, everybody always, always very fearful about, well, what if I get cancer? You know, all these different types of things. So this is a multi-year implementation. I want to get, you know, your take on the last part of the show here on the response from the rank and file from, you know, the attorneys that you that you work with there, um, the C-suites, the admins, I guess, the executive uh, admins, and then um, kind of the hourly employees, you know, the support staff. Give us really just a kind of a temperature check all throughout this process of all those constituent groups. So let's let's back up just a little bit. So pretty much up to this point, what I had talked about was were things that we had put in place, you know, four or five years ago, maybe longer, that dealt with a subset of very easily defined procedures. And so the availability of paying a cash price for all of those, that has continued to evolve as you know, our, our administrators and brokers have, have come up with other arrangements with other providers, identified others. And this movement has, has gathered some steam. But then you, you mentioned the part about reference-based pricing. So we need to talk about what that is because it's a separate component of it. And that was something that we finally pulled the trigger on in 2019. I was aware of the concept for the couple of years prior to that, but really it was just kind of too far out there and we really didn't have, the market wasn't quite ready for it. At least we weren't ready to bite that off at that point. But in 2019, we finally uh, believed that we had the right combination of third-party administrator that was willing to administer it, uh, another component that was willing to help us be able to price the claims correctly based on a percent of Medicare. I'll talk about that in just a second. 
And then that we had adequate support on the back end so that when we ran into problems or we ran into providers that weren't willing to accept the amount that we were paying, that we would be able to help our participants with that. So basically the idea of reference-based pricing says this, that when I mentioned that when we went that our PPO network, if you went to one hospital system or one provider versus another one, you might pay a radically different amount based on what that PPO was able to negotiate with that particular provider. And also then the PPO is basing everything off of a discount from their build charges. But there was no governor on the build charges. I liken it to when you go and stay in a hotel and you close the door and on the back of the door, there is a little sign that talks about, you know, safety precautions and all that. But somewhere on that, it's going to show what the rack rate for that room is. And it may be a Motel 6 and they may say that the rack rate for this room is, you know, $750. And you're like, I paid $69 for this room, but there's no way. What is that $750? Well, that's maybe the maximum that they would ever charge under any circumstance. Well, when we have no governor on build charges, then really anything can get passed through. And so there's not a reference to say, wait a minute, just because I billed you $10,000 for that TV and then gave you a discount, where did that $10,000 number came from? Well, I just made it up and then I discounted from it. And so you're stuck paying $4,000. Well, the way the rest of our economic system works is there are certain costs that go into a product or a service. Then there is a margin above that where the provider says, if I make this, then I can make enough profit to pay all my people, pay everything that I need to, and continue to be a going concern and be profitable and continue to to grow my business. Well, reference-based pricing, the concept of that says that we have in the United States a reference for any medical service that is provided. It's called Medicare. And so almost any provider will accept Medicare. So if someone is Medicare eligible and they go to have a procedure done, then the United States government will then pay them an index price for that service, but they don't pay it based on what the bill charges were in a discount. They just say, we believe that in our experience, this procedure or this service should cost X. That's the amount we're going to pay. And if you go here or you go here or you go here, that's the amount you're going to pay. Well, since that is a widely known and objective tool that almost every provider will accept, then wouldn't it make sense if we were able to say, we're not as big as the United States government. We're not going to have that kind of purchasing power. We're not going to be able to say, you know, we have everyone over age 65 that's coming to you. But what if we were able to say, you know what, if you're willing to take Medicare, If we paid the Medicare rate plus a significant margin above that, would you be willing to take that as a fair price? And the answer has become, in most situations, yes, if that margin is correct. Mm -hmm. So now, instead of taking build charges and coming down from that, we're taking an accepted reference-based price that providers are willing to accept and they can be profitable at. We're adding a margin to that, and we're saying we're willing to pay this as the fair price for that service. And that's the concept of reference-based pricing. Well, it is not the easy button, Chris. <laughs> it's, it's certainly uh, the providers don't necessarily agree to it up front like they do a PPO. Mm-hmm. So what happens then is when a claim comes through, our administrator sends it to a pricing company that then goes through and says, 
All right, Medicare rate for that particular provider in that particular locale for that particular service is X dollars. So we're going to pay maybe 130% of that or 160% of that, or in some cases, maybe even 200% of that. And we're going to then say, this is our payment for that service. And in most situations, the medical providers are like, yeah, that's a very, that's a fair, fair reimbursement. We've been paid. We've made a profit. We're good to go. In some circumstances, there are some, some bumps in the road that happen with that, where a provider may go, I don't understand what you did. I don't understand why you sent this to me, or this, maybe this isn't enough. This didn't fully satisfy this claim in our, in our uh, system. So there are some back-end processes that have to happen to help the, the employee or you know, the participant with that. And, and I don't want to get too far into the weeds of it. You can definitely do a lot of Googling about reference-based pricing and about this whole concept. It's something that's here. We're on the front edge of it. I believe that it is going to continue to pick up steam and pick up traction. So your question then become, that I'm getting back to it, is how did it work out? We're now, you know, a year and a half into it, almost two years into the process. So how has it worked? And the answer, which has been kind of surprising to me, is remarkably well, considering the fact that we're sort of blazing our own trail and really kind of creating our own sense of economic fairness when we're paying these claims, the majority, the vast majority, and I would say, you know, 98, 99% of our claims, the amount that we are paying, which is a fair price, is being accepted by the, by the providers, which shows me that they understand that the economics of what we're paying makes sense, that they are able to be profitable with it. Now, would they take way more, which we were paying under our PPO network? Of course they would, and they wouldn't say a thing but they're willing to accept a fair price. And, and I want to really highlight that, Chris, because when people hear the idea of reference-based pricing, and if we have providers that are on the line here, I want them to hear this clearly. When I need my knee operated on or replaced maybe sometime down the line, I want there to be very good, high-level, best-in-breed facilities, doctors in my community. We have no interest in trying to screw the phys physicians or the, the hospital systems or anything like that. We want to pay a price that allows them to continue to grow, expand, be profitable, attract the best doctors, that sort of thing. We just don't want to pay $10,000 for a TV. Mm -hmm. So we are willing to pay. And, and again, we're not smart enough to have figured this out, but the folks that deal in this day in and day out, they have told us that, if you pay 130% for this type of service or 160% for this type or 200% in some cases, that is going to be a very profitable level for these providers. And they will be very happy to take that and consider those claims paid in full. And so that's what we've done. And we were told that it would be 98, 99% success rate. And it has proven to be exactly that, at least in our market. Now, every market may be a little different, but... Uh, and, and then in those situations where there has been some friction, where there has been maybe some pushback, uh, we have worked with the providers, uh, with, with our uh, administrators to negotiate and to try to make sure that that claim is taken care of. And really, it has re required very little of our actual participants except for them to say, give the claim to the administrator, don't pay it, let them do their work. 
let them go through the channels. And we've even provided a flowchart to them that shows, you know, what the avenues and, and how this claim may go through many, many, many iterations before it actually ends up getting resolved. And once they see that and they understand that we are going to take care of it on the back end, then they have understood this and they've accepted that this is a good trade-off. If I have to go through a little bit of a negotiating process that my company is going to do for me, it's worth it because we're no longer paying ten thousand dollars, you know, four thousand dollars for TVs. We're paying, you know, six hundred dollars. It's a significant change, right? Um, yeah. What you guys did, you know, like you said, you're, you're trailblazer. If you're kind of tiptoeing out in the dark, there, doing it the right way, helping helping your people out. Give me one or two bullet points to employers, even brokers out there who say, wow, that sounds amazing. How do I even start down this path? Well, so the first thing that has to be in place, you have to have leadership that is willing to do something out of the ordinary and willing to take some of the skepticism, maybe some of the complaints, because it's not an easy button. It's not as easy as setting up a PPO network and then saying, you know, my buddy's going to get me the discount. He's going to handle all of this. Now we're taking the bull by the horns. We're doing this ourselves. We're creating a fair economic system. And it's going to be met sometimes with some resistance. Sometimes it's going to be met with providers that I don't understand what this is. That's less and less because more and more uh, companies are starting to do this. So that, So the ignorance level, or at least the professed ignorance level is dropping, which is good. But you absolutely have to have leadership within your organization that's willing to understand that this may cause some short-term pain in certain areas, but it's going to be worth it to create a sustainable economic system that allows you to continue to offer best-in-class benefits at an affordable level because healthcare is not going to get cheaper. It's only going to get more expensive. Second of all, you absolutely have to have the right administrators, and support system that not only understands reference-based pricing, but is fluent in dealing with it. And not all brokers and administrators are. We picked ones that were doing this themselves. So that's one of the questions I would ask is, don't come to me and tell me you should be doing this. Are you doing this? And if you're doing this, tell me how it's working for you. Because I don't want you to tell me how it should be done. I want you to tell me how you're doing it and how you're overcoming these pain points and how you're creating this in our own backyard. Fortunately, the two main broker advisors that we work with, both of them had gone reference-based pricing and it kind of blazed this trail ahead of us. And so they were able to speak from experience, not from, well, I think this might work. So I would absolutely do those two things. And then the third thing that, that is just so, so, so critical is you cannot over-educate your employees about this. Because again, it is a sea change. And it's not just the employees, it's the employees' family members. A lot of time, that's where the consternation comes. It's not the attorney himself. Maybe it's their spouse who goes to get service and wasn't privy to all of the education stuff that we did. So we invited and did webinars and, and recorded sessions and we encouraged all of our people to share the educational material that we were giving them with their entire family so that any member, whether it's a, a child going off to college and, and now has to get service, we want everyone in the family to understand how this works and be conversant on how this could be a little different than the healthcare model they were used to before. So those three things, great leadership, great partners, 
And then you cannot overeducate enough. If you do those three things, you've got a really good fighting chance to have a great reference-based pricing model and start to bring some sanity to what is an out-of-control model otherwise. That's Mark Burt, Director of Finance at Gable and Gottwalls. Mark, I appreciate your time coming on to Healthcare Americana. Hopefully this has been uh, very useful, very educational for a lot of you know business owners and a lot of uh, executives out there that are saying, wow, I... I understand the problem. How do I, how do I do this? And I love what you said about ask your people if they drink their Kool-Aid. Do you, do you drink your own Kool-Aid, right? You know, if you're a chef, do you eat your own food? Yes. Why or why not? I love that because you, you're going to get a lot of straight answers that you might not otherwise get. So Mark, keep up the good work. You guys are absolutely an inspiration to, uh, to the business community out there who are looking for solutions and, and trying to do right by their people in every way possible. All right, Chris. Well, great talking with you. Maybe we'll do it again sometime. Maybe we'll come up with yet another way to trim some savings off of our healthcare. And if so, I'll be glad to come and talk about it again. Always looking for ways to do that. I appreciate that. Once again, I'm your host, Christopher Habig. This is Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoy it.